this afternoon we are going to be dealing with a very, very serious matter. And I am begging the Almighty God that He will quicken understanding in our hearts. That He will pour upon us wisdom. Because there is a battle. We were all born into a battle. And if we don't understand that, we will be acting as if this is peace time. The time for repose, the time for rest, is when we get to heaven. Whilst you are here, even when God has poured out physical blessings upon you, know you are still in a battle. The book of the Acts of the Apostles, part 21. Last week we attempted a historical survey of the nation of Israel dating from the time of Abraham up to the time when the Lord walked the face of the earth. In doing this, our mission was to understand the question Jesus' disciples asked in Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Our study led us to understand the meaning of the word kingdom as used by the disciples in the, in the question, which means rule or administration or governance. It also means reign or authority over or government. And also it means realm, that is the area, sphere or territory or those who are governed. Those we noted that Jesus' disciples were eager to be free from the oppression of their oppressors, who included not just the Roman Empire and its government and governance, but also their own religious and political elite. In considering their question further, we noted that we also have a desire to be free from our own oppressors in the representation of not just secular political operators of our day, religious persecution and addictions to drugs, sexual sins and worldliness, but sadly also the oppression and domination of many so-called church leaders who have scattered the flock of the Lord and made them to become like sheep without a shepherd. We noted that we ought to pray and cry unto God for deliverance. And as he heard the cries of the children of Israel in Egypt, he will hear our own cries and bring true deliverance to us speedily. Even as all of the created animals, birds and fishes are desirous to be freed of bondage resulting from the fall of man. This evening we are going to look at two uh, scripture texts. The main one, Acts chapter 1 verse 6 to 8. And then we are going to be reading Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 to 19. So Acts chapter 1 verse 6 to verse 8. Therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then we go to Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 through to verse 19. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 through to verse 19. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, 
lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Another man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, to be with me rather, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. She shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles he shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. May the Lord bless you of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Our discussion last week only took a historical view of the matter at hand. What kingdom, which Israel, and what timing. We only stopped are the oppressors which the disciples and the people of their day saw and experienced in their daily living. Our second scripture text today provides us with a historical background of the tragedy that has befallen mankind through the sin of Adam. But there was more to the sin of Adam than meets the eye. Hence, we shall pursue the matter further by seeking to unmask the real oppressors of mankind in general and the church in particular. We pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten our hearts with spiritual truth and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, what we want to do today is to look at what kingdom, which Israel, what timing. And we are looking at this under the subheading, A Spiritual Perspective. A Spiritual Perspective. Our second scripture text explains many things that have befallen mankind. We've read this over and over again many times. So, we're just going to pick a few things here. The things that befallen mankind, painful childbirth, the hard labor of making a living, while all of mankind now live only to die, among others, none of which was intended from the beginning. And so hence, all creation is asking, Lord, 
When will you restore again the rule and reign of the tranquility that was in paradise to mankind? There was in the Garden of Eden a ruler, and I put that in quotes, who acquired his kingdom and dominion through trickery, craft, and wiles. The Bible refers to him as that old serpent. And he continues to exercise his dominion over mankind using the same approach. The approach of this ruler is trickery, is deception, deceit, wiles. He has been using it from day one. He continues to use it. And sadly, he is succeeding. Last week, we saw the oppressors of the Jews in Jesus' day. Today, as we view the spiritual perspective, we shall unmask the real oppressors in Jesus' day and indeed through the generations from whom we, shall, uh, we should be seeking freedom. You know, many people in our time, all they look at is how to come out of poverty, how to enter into wealth. I was talking to a group of young men today who were complaining that hunger is killing them. Obviously, they looked browbeaten, they looked wretched, but they were spoken in their head. They were just there. And I began to address their issues. These are boys who have said they had gone to secondary school. They had their school certificate. And by the time I was asking them, some of them had three credits, some had four. Some actually had five credits. In fact, one of them said he did jam. But it was the first time they, he, 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 he passed the jam. Then he went for what do you call that thing that universities normally do? No, not prelim. They have this test. Aptitude. He went for aptitude test. It was the first time they were used, he was seeing a computer being used. So... He didn't, he, 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 he delayed him or whatever. But at the end of the day, I told him, I said, all these things you are saying is not your problem. Your problem is you. And which one of you asking for something here? Do you think somebody from outside will come and meet and be endeared to embrace? Except one of you. All of you, nobody will want to come near you. Because there is something underlying in your life. Brethren, there is something more than just the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. What kingdom are we talking about? Where did this whole matter begin? It was in the Garden of Eden. This is, you see, when we quarrel with the word of God and that says women should be under, subject, under subjection and uh, women should do this, women should do and we say, oh, God hates women. No, this is the origin of the problem. In fact, I think it's in First Timothy chapter 2 or so, that um, first, first or Second Timothy, I'm not sure which of them, where Paul was writing by the inspiration of the Spirit of God and said, look, sin did not come into this world except by the woman. So I want women to keep silent in the assemblies. Where were, why was Eve entertaining conversation with the serpent? Discussing a tree that God had said, she herself said that God said, don't eat of the tree. She was so open, so receptive. And that's why God does not want it for women to be in leadership. Because they are too receptive to all manner of things. And sadly, when they cannot have position of leadership, they open themselves to Satan and through subterfuge, some of them link themselves to, the, to whoever the pastor is and remotely begin to control the assembly through the pastor. We don't need to go too far. Just read the book of Revelation. You will see where a pastor actually opened his entire pulpit to a woman called Jezebel. God is referred to the woman as that Jezebel. And that woman began to cause the ministers of God to commit uh, adultery, fornication, and all kinds of things. It's the same problem here. So when Jesus' disciples were, were screaming, when are you going to restore again? Are you going to restore at this time the kingdom back to Israel? And they were, they were thinking that their problem had to do with the Roman Empire, the, the Roman oppressive machine 
and so on and so forth. The Lord Jesus was, when he made his own remarks, he was, he was referring to something else. And we are trying to build a basis for why he made the statement that he made. That's why we are going through all of this. I'm trying to painstakingly take time to express some things. And I'm hoping that as we take time to express these things, deep within you, God will cause conviction on some things that have happened in your life and you will begin to channel your path as you should. Now, there are many times that we found in scripture when while Jesus was referring to a particular matter, his disciples were referring to something else. While the Lord was looking at a spiritual angle, a spiritual issue, a spiritual truth, they were looking at a physical aspect. An example of that we find in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5 to 12. Matthew 16 from verse 5 to 12. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Please note the antecedent here. They had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. In other words, when you are, when you are going to buy bread, don't buy bread from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's what they were thinking. But he was saying something else. Uh, in verse 8, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Not the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? He was saying to them, if you, even if you didn't, even if you forgot to bring bread, were you not there when 5,000 people were fed from bread, or five loaves of bread? Were you not there when 4,000 were fed from seven loaves of bread? How do you think I'm discussing bread? Is bread an issue for me? Is bread something I cannot, I cannot get? Is bread, we cannot, is, it, is, is bread the issue that we cannot buy, that your mind is going to bread? Many of us are discussing in our churches who will free us from poverty. And the Lord is wondering, what are these people talking about? Is it poverty of money we are discussing here? We are talking of people who are so poor, spiritually, that they are far removed from God. Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now that's a very crucial thing. Because if you must understand, one of the key areas, key ways by which this ruler by subterfuge gains access into the hearts of men is by doctrine, by teachings. And so when he was saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, beware of the doctrines of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was saying, beware, because that is how they are going to gain access to your heart and begin to dominate you, begin to rule over you. In fact, it is that their master that is doing it through them. They are his agents. So with that in mind, first of all, we want to address the question that the disciples raised, that is the, the paraphrase that we gave, which is, when are you going to free us from the domination of Rome? When are you going to free us from the domination of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the tax collectors, of all these people who have held us in captivity? Let's read Zechariah chapter 1. 
verse 18 to 21. Zechariah chapter 1, 18 to 21. We want to unmask this ruler. And I'm praying that anybody here who has, through guile, allowed this ruler into his heart, will today chalk that ruler out of his heart. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? So he answered, These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen, and I said, What are these coming to do? So he said, These are the horns that scattered Judah, so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. The Lord, by this scripture, is telling us how Israel found themselves under such domination. He describes these people, or whatever it was that scattered Israel, as horns that came to put them away. Four horns. Some believe that these are the nations of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, um, and uh, I think Persia or so. But as we look at the scriptures, we will begin to see that it is more than the physical nations. There were horns, spiritual beings that were at work scattering Israel, removing them from their land and scattering them all over the place. And God said he had raised carpenters to come and fray and terrify the horns that had scattered Israel. If we go to the book of Daniel chapter 10, we are going to get a deeper insight into these horns. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Daniel had been fasting and an angel came. And this angel made a startling statement to Daniel. Then he said to me, verse 12 now, then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel was doing a 21-day fast. And the, and the angel said, from the first day, not the middle, not the last, from day one, when you set your face that I am going to fast today, from the first morning, God had sent me to come and bring a message to you. Verse 13. But the prince, I want you to know that word, prince, not the word horn, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, how many days? 21, the full 21 days of the fast. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, note again, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. In verse 1, it says, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. As at this time that this angel was talking to Daniel, there had only been one king of Persia. But he was telling that he had been there with the kings of Persia. There was a prince over the kingdom of Persia. And that prince or principality was the one deciding, who, or not deciding, was the one influencing the various kings that were to come. And what they would do when they come. Now let's go to verse 20, 21 and we'll read, we'll just continue into chapter 11 because it's actually a continuation. Chapter 11 shouldn't break that trend. So don't look at chapter 11 as something breaking. It's a continuation. From verse 20 of Daniel chapter 10. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, 
Indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Greece, as at this time, didn't exist as a nation. Greece was just... In fact, there really wasn't anything called Greece that we, that we could recognize at this time. It was so far removed from where Persia, from where Persia was. It's like we're talking of the United States of America, which is a world power. And we are discussing a prince of Cape Verde. Who knows Cape Verde? What is Cape Verde? One tiny island. Who can expect Cape Verde to be anything? But these, these were kingdoms that had been set up in the spiritual realm. And there were already princes who were waiting to take charge of those kingdoms. And dominate them. And use them to oppress God's children. You must note that these kingdoms are for one purpose. To do what? To oppress the kingdom of God. Or the children of God. The human people you find there. Many of them don't even understand what is happening. So when we are busy insulting our president, we're making a big mistake. When we are busy insulting even our vice president, we're making a big mistake. We lack understanding of these things. Now look at verse 21. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one opposes me against this except who? Michael, who had to describe Michael? Your prince. The nation of Israel had a principality. Their prince was who? Michael. The princes of all the other nations are from Satan. The prince over the people of God is from God. The church of God has a prince today. Who is that prince? His name is Jesus. The prince of peace. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The king of kings and the lord of lords. The ancient of days, the bright and the morning star. The one who opens a door and no man can shut. The one who shuts a door and no man can open. The one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is the prince over the church. We are not dealing with angels. We are dealing with the son of God. In chapter 11 verse 1, he makes a startling comment. He said, also, that's the angel still speaking. Also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So if he was not helping Darius, the principalities would have overrun him and would have used him. That is why when you read the Bible saying, pray for your leaders. He's saying pray a prayer that will stay the hand of these principalities from operating as they like. When we join in abusing our leaders, we have partnered with the kingdom of darkness. Do you understand that? A people who should be bringing light are now bringing darkness. Because the abuse, the insults, all those things, they belong to the kingdom of Satan. You recall that in the book of John chapter 8, when the Lord had this quarrel with the Jews who believed, he said to them, you are of your father, Satan, the devil. He said, from the beginning he was what? A liar and a murderer. So every time we do things that agree with the kingdom of Satan, we are partnering with him. And helping his cause along. I want to ask believers today. Do you think that you can bring peace to Nigeria by insulting the president of Nigeria? You can't. Do you think you can bring peace by forming a political party? You can't. Do you think you can bring peace by becoming the president of Nigeria? You can't. When I was a young believer, I learned that much earlier as a young believer. That when people enter into the seat of power, they don't understand the battle they are fighting. There is already a principality in that seat of power. So when you come into that seat of power, if you don't, if you have not prayed up and taken over authority, and when all these prayers that we are praying is of no use if you have not turned from your wickedness. You can pray from now till tomorrow. If you are not obedient to the word of God, 
that principality will still have, will still have charge over you. That's why you can find Christians when they become governors or become local government chairmen. It's as if their brain has left them. It's as if all they read in the Bible doesn't make sense. Because the nature of sin, the nature that loves to sin, they didn't deal with it. So they entered there unwittingly as agents of Satan and continue to perpetrate satanic rule over the people. It's the same thing with church leaders who refuse to submit to Christ. They claim they are submitting to Christ, but they are not. And so what do they do? They continue the reign of Satan even in the church of God. Don't joke with this fellow called Satan. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to prevent you from going to church. No way. But he will make sure that the church you are going to, you are not going to hear the word that will bring deliverance to you. The Bible says, uh, what's that scripture now? Is it Proverbs 11 verse 9? It says, by knowledge shall the righteous be delivered. The knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords, that is how you are delivered. And that's where the Lord was going to, when he said, but you shall receive power to do what? To witness. The Bible says, I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself, but yes, let me go ahead of myself. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, it says, the, I am not ashamed of this gospel, for in it lies what? The power to bring salvation. You want to be freed from the oppression of Rome, be free from the oppression of Satan. You want to be free from the oppression of Satan, the only agency that you have is the word. Follow the word and you'll be free from the oppression of Satan and you will come under the rule, the reign and the realm of the kingdom of God. That's basically what the Lord was saying. But let's take it step by step. You recall what we said about Job. And you can read that on your own. Job chapters 1 and 2. I just read a few verses in Job. And you will see, and I think we mentioned it in our, in our short in yesterday. I just read a few verses there. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that his, this man was the greatest or richest or wealthiest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their sisters, their three sisters, to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. What do you think Satan is doing going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it? No. He's walking over his realm. Don't forget that Adam had handed over the kingdom to him by what he did in the garden. He was just uh, uh, looking at his kingdom. And then God mentions to him, By the way, verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Imagine in all of the earth, one man is brought as, as, and singled out. So even though Satan is walking around his realm, he finds one man in his own realm, distinct. And God mentions that man. 
And look at what Satan says in verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made what? A hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So we see what the issue was with Job. Job was under a different kingdom from every other person. And it was clear. It's like many of our streets in Nigeria here. You see a Tata street, suddenly you see one massive fence. And you see a house, in the, a fine house in the middle of that squalor. A man has built for himself a kingdom. Different from every other place. And no matter how, how strong you think you are, you can't penetrate that fortress that he has built for himself. That's the kind of thing Satan is telling God here. You have built a kingdom around, around Job. You've built a hedge around him. You've kept him distinct from every other person. That's why he fears you. Remove that hedge. Give me small power to ruffle his feathers. And you will see him curse you. If you're a child of God. You see, the day we submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what we did? We brought ourselves under his authority. It is therefore a misnomer for somebody who says, I'm a child of God, under the authority of Christ, to disobey Christ or his word. Later we are going to see, I don't think it will be today, we are going to see that one of the crucial things about which kingdom you are in is only one question. If you are not under subjection to Christ, you are in the kingdom of Satan. That's, that's the basic thing. If you are not under subjection, under submission to Christ and his word, you are part of the kingdom of the devil. It doesn't matter whether you are in church. It doesn't matter that you are a preacher. It doesn't matter that they call you apostle or whatever they want to call you. That's the, that's the line. So, we can understand the, the problem that... Um, Satan was about to bring to Job. He wanted to bring Job under his dominion. And he used trickery, craft, deception, thinking he was deceiving God. But God was so sure of Job. We know that Job made some, some blunders. All he needs to read is to read Job. Job even accused God. But that was not, as far as God was concerned, it did not warrant him submitting Job to Satan. Eventually God was going to close that hedge back at the end of, of the trial. But Job was opened up so that Satan can, can penetrate. You remember it's the same thing with the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. After he was baptized, what happened? They opened up the heads. Okay, go for, go for exam. I don't know if the same conversation had taken place in heaven. So, is he not your son? Are you not the one praying? Leave, leave me with him. And they did. And the Lord Jesus resisted Satan to the end. And he gained the kingdom. Many of us want to gain the kingdom the way Satan took the kingdom from Adam. By trying that you have found yourself under the, under the reign and rule of Satan. Because that is his nature. That is how he does things. When we tell lies, when we try to trick people, try to deceive people, when we are not straight in our speech, we are going here, we are talking this way, talking this way, talking this way, talking this way, but we know where we are going. We have found ourselves under the, under the rule and reign of Satan. That's why the Bible calls it the works of the flesh. Revelation chapter 12, from verse 1 to 17. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. He still drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. There are many translations here about who this child is, who this woman is. Some say the woman is the nation of Israel and the child 
that was given back to is Christ. Some say, no, the woman is, is um, what do you call it now? What, what do you call it now? The woman is actually the church that has given birth to whatever it is. The point is, God is using some things to speak to us about the church of God. In verse 5 it says, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod, with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Obviously, this is Christ we are talking about here. But that woman is not Mary. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she, was, where she has a place prepared by God that she should feed her there 1,260 days. If you do your math, I think that should give you three and a half years. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Who is this dragon now? But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Anybody who is afraid of death cannot overcome Satan. Anybody who does not have the testimony of the word of God on his lips cannot overcome Satan. And anybody who is not associated with the blood of the Lamb, the death of Christ and that blood that was spilled, cannot overcome Satan. All three must be in your life, must be spoken about you. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's why they say this is Israel, because Israel was persecuted. It is believed, it is believed, in eschatology, that by the time all this is taking place, the church would have been raptured. That is why also it is believed that the, 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 the male child is actually the church that was raptured. So there, there are different, um, what do you call it now, interpretations to this. Verse 14, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. A time, one year. Times two years, that's three years. And half a time, half a year. So that's three and a half years. From the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth. Like a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth. And swallowed up the flood. Which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of our offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There are actually many things being spoken of here. You can look at Christ. You can look at the nation of Israel. You can look at the church. But one principal factor there is Satan being cast down to the earth. Every single one of us has been born into warfare. There are some nations in the world today that have been at war for decades. Children were born into that war. They grew up as men in that war. They grew up to fight. They grew up to hate. They grew up knowing who their enemies were. And they wouldn't even ally themselves with that. 
In Ezekiel 28:11 to 19, the Bible describes Satan as though he were a human being. But by the time you read it, you, you will be able to unmask that. The Bible is talking about something else, not, not a human being here. Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, tokos, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. This is, this is Lucifer when he was created. Look at the, the, the kind of work that God did on, on, on Satan. We were made from dust. He was made from precious stones. They walked out. We are having to carry organs. Inside of him are organs. Inside of him are trumpets and instruments of praise, of music. They are inside his body. You were the anointed cherub. And the word anointed is chosen. The appointed cherub who covers. If you look at the Ark of the Covenant, there are two, two cherubs that cover before those cherubs were brought in, Lucifer was the one who covered the seat of God. One, what, one, what one angel did, two are now doing. He was the one who did it, covering the throne of God. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You remember when Isaiah had that revelation? The angel couldn't even use his hand to touch. The he had to pick uh, tongues to put it on Isaiah's tongue. He walked on it. That is why they say it is pride that killed him. When you see a man that has pride, you have seen Satan incarnate. That's why God hates anybody with a manifestation of pride in him. Because all he sees is Lucifer. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing. When you read the word profane thing, the, the, the best way to describe it is the menstrual cloth of a woman. That's how, that's what a profane thing is. In those days, they didn't use tampons or whatever that we use now. They had cloth that they used. So that's how God described him. I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Have you seen it there? Pride. The moment God sees those things where somebody is proud because of what he has, that fellow has become an enemy of God. Let me ask you a question. Was it Lucifer that made himself beauty? beautiful? Who made him beautiful? So when a woman begins to be proud about her beauty, she has made herself an enemy of God. Because all God sees is Lucifer in reincarnation, as it were. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. That's why we call it wiles. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror 
and shall be no more forever. Satan has a beginning. It was glorious. He has an end. It's horrible. Remember what the Lord Jesus said. The prince of this world has been judged. Satan is not going to be. He has been judged. This is him. This is the man who rules humanity. So let me tell you something that you don't understand. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, he came to establish a kingdom that men can freely walk into. But Satan has a way of making sure that even if you walk in there, say, just taste it and come out. I will show you something better. And many have been misled. But we're going to see. He has agents, even in the church of God, who are preaching the word. They pick the word of God and twist it. Trying to trick people and do all kinds of things. Let's look at Satan's kingdom a little, a little closer. Now that we've seen who he, who he really is, how he started, and where he ended up. A warning to all of us that yes, you may be saved. God may have made you beautiful. But if you get too proud of your salvation and think that it's just there for the taking, you might end up the way Lucifer has ended up. God forbid. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I want you to understand this, this battle that you are in. It's a wrestling match. Maybe next week or somewhere. I don't know when we're going to discuss that aspect of the, the warfare between the kingdoms. And how it is going to be fought. Or how it is being fought. It is not a physical battle. It's by words. It's by submission. Those are the things. That's why when the Bible says a woman should have power over her head for the sake of the angels. So that the angels can defend her, can protect her. When she's not under that, they don't bother about her. Satan can use her. They don't care because she's not under authority. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The next, if Christ tarries, the next nation that will be in power in the world, the prince is waiting in the wings. If God should reveal it to us, many of the people who are busy making noise, God has not revealed anything to them. Because he won't let you tell anybody. That next nation is not, it may not even be China, but we all think it's China. China is doing this, China is doing this. It may not be China. Maybe one time, it could even be the Republic of Benin next door. Nobody knows what that nation is. But God has a way of doing his things. And every time there's angelic activities, now it is believed that there are at least, at least three heavens. The first heaven is where we are. It's the one that we are under. There's a second heaven and there's a third heaven. Now many people believe that Satan's headquarters is in this first heaven. And that God's headquarters is in the third heavens. Now these principalities and powers are roaming all over that place. There are principalities over nations. There are principalities over religions. There are principalities over generations. You will see a group of people from different nations. Displaying the same character is a principality in charge. Have you seen autistic children? Have you seen a child with autism or Down syndrome, right? Down syndrome. Have you noticed that it doesn't matter what color, what nation, what tribe, they have the same look? Is a principality. Have you seen Zika virus? All the children, the same look. So while the world is busy pointing his finger at Africa, point, the principalities are happy because one of the things that Satan wants to do is to deflect attention from him and his agents. This is the array. Spiritual wickedness in high places. What are we, what are we talking about? High places now. Place of authority. The Bible says that the, the, throne of, the throne of a king is established in what? In righteousness. 
So when you find iniquity in those places, who is, who is ruling that place now? This spiritual wickedness. Uh, uh, yes, this spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. When you find wickedness at the highest level of a place, you enter a church, you see wickedness at the level of church govern, governing council. This, 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 these demons have taken over. It doesn't matter what they say. It's wickedness they are going to spew down the line. The rulers of, this, of the darkness of this age. There is a dark world. And there are rulers who have taken, they've taken post. They've taken charge. These terms, principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness. The Bible is using, was using what, what they called authorities in those days to describe these things. In the Old Testament, they are referred to as what? Prince. In the New Testament, he calls them principalities and powers. And rulers of the, of this dark, of the darkness of this age. And the spiritual hosts, hosts. That's armies. There are many of wickedness in the heavenly places. Suddenly you find at a point in time, a particular thing is happening in a particular nation. Particular crime. These are the demons that are doing those things. Rape will be right. In Nigeria today, it is children that are being raped. Children! Six months, twelve months. How does anybody think of that? But this is, this is, this is wickedness at its height. You remember we read Zechariah chapter 5 one time. Where they said there was a woman in a basket. And they called her name what? Wickedness. And they said they were going to set her in a place. People would lift up the basket and wickedness is spread all over the place. It is the man who puts himself firmly under the authority of Christ. And does what Christ wants him to do. And not what the world is doing. That's the man that the hedge of the kingdom of God will protect. He that breaketh the hedge, what will happen? The serpent. That's what that scripture is saying. Satan is the serpent. You break that hedge, the serpent is coming in. Bam! To strike. My prayer for all of you, and myself inclusive, is that the power of God will forever remain over us. That we will not refuse in rebellion his authority. Because that is what happens. Many of us refuse the authority of, of God. We have read Daniel already. We've read uh, 12 to 14. And we've read the rest and all the things that happened. The prince of Persia, the prince of, of, of Greece, and so on and so forth. And like I told you, as at the time Daniel was being spoken to, there was nothing called Greece that anybody would even consider. So Daniel was given information that no other person would have ever known that there was a nation called Greece. And the angel that was coming to give the information to Daniel was being fought against. In fact, if you read later, the angel told Daniel, I want you to know one thing. Three more kings are going to rise up in Persia. Oh, there were more than three kings. In fact, there was one fellow who was called a usurper. But the three kings that God was speaking about were distinct uh, kings that would be involved in, 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 in rule, in reigning here on the earth. So understand that when you begin to see things happening in this nation, all around, stop blaming one man and say it's because he's the president. It's not the man. Stop blaming him. When you see religious, and that is what, you see, when we are supposed to fight religious crisis in the place of prayer, what are we doing? We are on social media. Trying to whip up sentiments. The church is supposed to bring people together in harmony and peace. Who is our prince again? And what do we call him? The prince of what? Peace. But what are we doing? We are the ones stoking the fire of tribalism. Stoking the fire of religious intolerance. Stoking the, and doing all kinds of crazy things. What our pastors are saying from their pulpit against other religions. 
is not of God. There is a way to make those statements. What we should be doing is in our closets, we pray the prayers we need to pray. We are ineffective. Can you imagine? We want to pray against principalities and powers. We set up a billboard and advertise. What have you done? They are waiting for you there. That's the problem. There is too much, too much noise around us. No wisdom. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 6 verse 12 to 14. Romans 6, 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin is a crucial ally of Satan in his battle against the church. What does Satan, what does, what does Satan do? He uses sin to, to bring... Remember what I said at the beginning. The kingdoms of this world is under who now? It's under Satan. When Christ came, what did he do? He came to rescue some. Having been rescued, do you think Satan will, will, will sit on his oars? No. A point in case. When Israel left Egypt, did Pharaoh say, they've gone, so leave them alone? What did he do? He pursued. He will always pursue. He will always come after you. And one of his, one of his lieutenants, his strongest lieutenants, is sin. And you'll be shocked that his greatest ally is not, is not sin. His greatest ally is your flesh. Sin merely walks with your flesh to bring you into bondage. That's why he says, you are not, you are not under sin. You are, the law could not help those who were under it. Don't bring yourself under the law because all you are going to do is cooperate with sin. Bring yourself under grace. The grace of God. We're not talking of what they call grace. Which are some of the antiques of Satan. He picks a word that has strong meaning for deliverance and waters it down and makes nonsense of it. So at the end of the day, when they say grace, you will, you will just ring your and say, forget it, it's not, that's not grace. Because he rubbishes the word. But it's not so much the word. It's the content that is important. That is why teachings must never be resisted by us. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Paul is saying, look, these people, they have a way of sneaking into you. They have a way of using heavy words, using strong jingoisms and all kinds of antiques to win you over. They can even use fear and all kinds of things to bring you under dominion to themselves. They say, but we are not like that. We will not even allow them to, to, you know, to, to take unnecessary opportunity. Here, I think here I was talking about the matter of receiving things from them. I, 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 I took things from other churches, not from you. Why? I didn't want anybody to undercut me. I say he came here only to get from you. Unlike them. Whenever they come here, all they want is to get something from you. And he said, these people, they are false apostles. They are deceitful workers. They have transformed themselves into apostles of Christ. Now let's go to chapter 4 of the same Second Corinthians. And read from verse 1 to verse 5. These are, these are the, the, this, the hierarchy of Satan. He has his hierarchy in heaven and he has his, his people here on the earth. From verse 1 to verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, 
as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Please, I want you to note what he's saying here. He says, we have a ministry, having obtained mercy from God. And because we have this ministry, having obtained mercy from God, we, do not, we don't faint. We don't give up. We have renounced what? The hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness. If you want the anointing on my head, you will bring a gift to this altar. You know many people are doing that. So I, I, I want the anointing on that man's head. And they bring money. And they bring money. Craftiness. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. These are the things that the agents of Satan do. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We leave you to your conscience to determine whether we are, we are servants of God or not. Not to stand and say, if I am a servant of God, you will see what will happen to you by tonight. They are using terror. Spiritual terrorism to force people to do things. One thing I have seen in the kingdom of God, he never forces anybody to do anything. For not doing it, there are consequences. But he will not force you to do it. He leaves you to do it. Whether you want to do it or not, it is going to be your decision. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled or covered or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. A man who wants to be free will see the gospel. But a man who wants to remain under Satan's kingdom will not see the gospel. So one of the things that we pray about is, Lord, let your light shine in the hearts of men. Because if that light comes, you will begin to see things clearly. When, when, the, when the world was created at first, the first thing that God did was what? Let there be light. The entrance of your word gives what? Verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age, that is Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This is a crucial text. In the scriptures. That's why the, the Lord says, go out and preach. We are going to discuss the parable of the sower at some point in time. You know that the, the sower was not an organized planter. He said, the sower went out to do what? And did what? Scattered. He was scattering the seed. He didn't say, I'm going to the rich. I'm going to the poor. I'm going. He was scattering it. Anybody he sees, he was telling the word. He was telling the word. It fell on some good soil. We don't know who his heart is receptive to the word. The person you think will receive it, who has been going to church may actually have been blinded by the God of this world to see only money in church. The person who is a hardened criminal might just be the one that the light of the gospel will shine upon because he will believe. Once we believe, the light of the gospel shines forth. So I take verse 4 again. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your born servants for Jesus' sake. We don't lay claim to be your masters. As a matter of fact, what the preacher is, is a servant. A born servant of Christ. And even of the people he has come to serve. These workers of iniquity, they are overlords. They insist that if you want something from the man of God, you will carry his Bible. If you want something from the man of God, you will do this, you will do that. Some people get angry with you. If, they don't, if you don't allow them to carry your Bible. They say, the man is, is hoarding anointing. How do you get anointing from carrying Bible? Can somebody explain to me? You carry somebody's Bible, the anointing will come upon you. Where, where did you get that? Those are the deception of Satan. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. We know that scripture very well. He does not, he says, that you should no longer be what? Children. 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Have you seen the words that is being, that's being used there? These are the traits of Satan. Trickery, deceitfulness, craftiness, plottings. The Bible called uh, the, the snake in the, in the garden. It says it was what? The most cunning, the most subtle of all the animals. That was why Satan was able to use him. And God does not want us to be children any longer. Tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. Every wind of teaching that is blowing. A proper teaching does not blow as wind. A proper teaching comes to establish you and keep you firm in the truth. But now we have one manner of teachings blowing everywhere. And, and people are being slapped by it. And people are, are submitting themselves to it. And God is saying enough is enough. In Second John verse 7. Again, we are speaking of the human agents. They are the ones in Ephesians in, in, uh, 4.14 who are spreading this doctrine with, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of this full plotting. Ember month, ember month. Why is ember month there? Because people are afraid to die. Instead of bringing boldness into our hearts, strengthening our faith to be resolved that if we die, we die. They bring in fear. As if people don't die in January. People don't die in February. Verse 7 of Second John. It says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Not the antichrist, but one of the antichrists. There are many teachings, different teachings. There is a teaching that tells people that Christ did not really die on the cross. It was a spiritual thing. He didn't die physically. It sounds logical. But the idea is, is removing what gave you victory away. And then you are left naked. Like Adam and Eve were naked. As long as God covered them, did they know they were naked? No. They were covered. The moment sin enters, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You have been standing firm in God. Then you do one sin, suddenly you feel exposed. You feel naked. What is going on? You have sinned. Sin has exposed you. The elements are waiting to just come and pounce on you. In Matthew chapter 4, Verse 1 to 11. We are discussing his, his strategy of trickery. There are many deceivers in the world. And we have discussed this with us now. The temptation of Jesus. We have read it over and over again. All he was doing there was what? Trickery. Deception. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Not only so that you can eat, but so that, so that you can misuse and abuse the power of God. Many people are like that. They have been empowered. They now think, yes, we can go anywhere. They put a billboard. This is the healing anointing ministry. Suddenly, just come. Every day is a healing day. Nobody's been taught anything. Then we saw how he, how he took the Lord Jesus to a high mountain, to a, to a high place in the temple, and told him, jump. After it's been written that he will get his angels to, to, to have charge over you. And the Lord just said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I heard recently of a, of a pastor who wanted to show people that he can walk on water. Was he just trying to show somebody that he, was, he can walk on water? And ended up being food for crocodiles. I had another fellow who said that he's like Daniel and entered into a lion's den in a zoo. He was ripped to bits and pieces. What are we doing? We want to show power. Somebody will finish a 40-day fast and will say, now it's time to show that I have power. That's what Satan was trying to do here. And many have been deceived to their death. Do you know that there are many men of God who have died young? Not because God wanted them to die young. But because they allowed Satan to deceive them. Many souls are languishing because those men died when they died. Not all of them, some. Then finally, he said to the Lord, 
Just, I will give you this. Do you see this, what you are looking at? I will give it to you. Just fall down and die. And, 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 and bow, bow and worship me. The Lord just told him, get thee behind me, Satan. You shall worship God and him alone shall you serve. Do you know how many times Satan has lured us and deceived us with things? He will show you in, in, in a moment the kingdoms of this world. And I'm sure you, many of you know what I'm talking about. We call it daydreaming. It's not daydreaming. It's Satan showing you what you can become. You see yourself suddenly with a driver sitting behind a Hummer. You see, you see the palace. And Satan is saying, what is the problem? All I'm asking you to do is go and submit to that man. Go to the man. Tell him anything he wants you to do, you will do. That's all I'm asking you to do. And many of us are following. For his trickery, for his deception, for his craft. And I pray that God will deliver us in Jesus' name. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible makes a very strong statement. Romans chapter 1, 18 and 19. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, how, many, how much ungodliness? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There are people who are preaching and through their messages they are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. There is nobody with an excuse. People refuse to accept that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. So they try to look for ways of explaining it. So we are having geologists coming to find, making archaeological finds and telling us that the, the earth is millions of years old. I don't know how old the earth is. But I know how old man is on the earth. 6,000 years plus. I won't argue with what they found, but there is no human being that is older than 6,000 years on the earth. If you go and find a, a skeleton and say, we found this skeleton, this man is 7,000 years old, you are a liar. By faith, I know that Adam was created less than 6, 000, about 6,000 years ago on the earth. There was no human being before Adam. So you can't find a skeleton that is older than Adam. Do you understand what I'm saying? But these are agents of Satan. They come through philosophy. They come through ideologies. They come through governments and processes. Communism is of, is, 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 is of Satan. Democracy is of Satan. It's not of God. Though. Please, don't, don't. It's not of God. Monarch, anarchy, all those things. They are not of God. God's, God's form of government is what we call theocracy. The government of God... By God, over God's people. That's God's government. Theocracy. God is in charge. It, theocracy recognizes the sovereignty of God over the affairs of men. You remember what God told uh, Nebuchadnezzar? You will be like an animal and eat like beasts. Eat. Until you acknowledge that God has a hand in the affairs of men. And that he puts whoever he likes in place of authority. That's why the Bible says, be obedient to your leaders. The moment we do the things contrary to the word of God, what are we doing now? We have entered into the camp of Satan. Sometimes we are angry, justifiably so, that this thing happened. The Bible says, The wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Your anger cannot work out the righteousness of God. So don't do, don't do things in anger. Be, ang be angry, but sin not. Don't take any actions. Don't do anything. You are angry, go and pray. Go and lock yourself up and pray. Don't get out and say, I'm going to take this decision now, and then you go and take it. The wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Even when you take it as a pastor, it's not, it's not the righteousness of God that is working out. It's the wrath of man that you are going to see. Romans, still Romans chapter 6, 
15 to 23. 15 to 23, we've read 12 to 14 before. That says, we should bring ourselves under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Have you seen it there? There are two kingdoms. Actually, there are three, but essentially two. Satan's and God's. The third kingdom is the kingdom of men. But the kingdom of men actually work with the kingdom of Satan. So that's why there are essentially two kingdoms. Whoever's kingdom you bring yourself under, that's who your master is. So you cannot say, I'm a child of God, but you are listening to Satan. Whose kingdom are you under now? Satan's kingdom. Whoever you are obeying, that's your master. That's your ruler. Do you understand that? Let's continue. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you know before we were obeying sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of what again? Doctrine to which you were delivered. How were we brought out of, brought from under Satan and from under sin? How? Doctrine, which we believed. And when we believed the doctrine, we obeyed the doctrine and came under Christ. Many people heard the doctrine, not believing, they refused to come under Christ. So where are, where are they now? They are still under Satan. Some believed the doctrine, came under Christ, saw persecution, and what did they do? They ran back to Satan. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What does that mean? I want us to understand what he's saying here. A slave does whatever its master asks him to do. Right? When we were slaves to sin, our flesh cooperated with sin, right? And did whatever sin wanted us to do. Run, 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 go and chase that girl. Brrr, you went. Pursue that man, pursue that man. Just wriggle your buttocks in front of him a little bit. He will, he will listen to you. You ran, you did it. Dress like this and go to that party. You will see the bubbles who will come to you. You did it. Who was our master then? Sin. We were slaves to sin. Whether we know it or not, we are slaves to him. Like I was telling those young boys today. I said, look, you need to ask yourself one question. Why is it that whenever you have to do right or wrong, you always do wrong and not right? You know it's right to do this thing, but you, do, you are not able to do it, you do wrong. Why? You are slaves to sin. So he says, now nah, you used to be slaves to sin. You did everything sin told you to do. Now you are under Christ. Be a slave to who? Righteousness. In other words, everything that righteousness says you should do, do it. But we struggle with it. Why? We have an enemy inside us. You know who that enemy is? It's the flesh. Until you kill the flesh, you will never be a slave of righteousness. The flesh will always be there, warring against you when you want to do what is right. Dragging you every time to do what is wrong. Verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. In our generation, we have lost the meaning of slavery. We have lost many things that they understood. We don't understand it. A slave, let me tell you something about slavery. A slave does not disobey his master. A slave does not question his master. A slave does not decide what he will eat, when he will eat, how he will eat, where he will sleep. Those are in the hands of his master. And when we were slaves under sin, quite frankly, we slept wherever sin told us to sleep. I hope you know that. There are people who have slept in Juju Man's house with dead bodies around the place. They slept there. They said they are looking for children. They told them to go and sleep in cemetery. They went and slept in cemetery. They were slaves to sin. And they did it gladly. Now, 
you are being told to be slaves to righteousness. You are fighting. What is fighting there? Is the flesh. Because the flesh is a sin lover. Do you understand? It loves sin. And when you are asking it to do what is right, you are asking it to do what it hates to do. So you need to kill it. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of to righteousness. Nobody forced you. But what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. All the things that we did under sin. Can we boast of it? Can we even bring it up and make it noise? No. They led us to death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. When you come under God, when you submit to God, when you are a slave to God, your end is eternal life. The fruit of your slavery is holiness. The fruit of slavery to sin is what? More and more unrighteousness leading towards death. The, the fruit of slavery to God is holiness and righteousness that leads you towards everlasting life. The reason why this is being written for us today, let's understand it, is because we were once under who now? Satan. We were born under Satan's kingdom. And God has brought us to his kingdom. And is now telling you that there's a, don't go back home. There's a difference between the two. By the way, I'm, 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 I was thinking that next week we are going to look at no dual citizenship. But I don't know yet whether we'll look at that. I don't know how the, whole, how the Lord will lead us. But let me say it here now. There is no dual citizenship. Satan permits you to have dual citizenship. God does not permit it. Do you understand? If you are a dual citizen of the kingdom of God and of Satan, you are under Satan. If you are under God, you, are, you can only be in the kingdom of God. You can never be in any other kingdom. There is no dual citizenship as far as God is concerned. Satan does not mind you going to church. In fact, he doesn't mind you being a pastor. But make sure that you are, you are attending your lodge meeting. Make sure you are, you are in the occult. Make sure, he permits dual citizenship. Have you ever seen God permit it? God will tell you, come away from them. Therefore be ye separated. Leave the unclean things away and come and I will receive you. God does not miss words. No, you cannot have me as Satan. Satan will tell you, you want to go to church, go. But don't forget to, you, we have a meeting. Come. And that's what is being said here. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's no time to exaggerate on this. But note the, the tense that's being used. Sin is that, what is ascribed to sin? Wages. What is wages? What's a wage? What you earn for your work. Do you see that sin is paying you for work? And what is the salary that sin is paying you? Death. Does God pay you? Does God expect you to work? No. What did God give you? A free gift. I don't know why God has to use two, those two words in the, same, in the same sentence. Because everybody knows a gift is supposed to... You don't bother what's for a gift. But he's laying an emphasis on it. Eternal life is a free gift that God has given to you. You don't work for eternal life. You believe and you receive it. In John 10, sorry, Romans 10, verse 8 to 13. A statement is made. There's, there's, there's some statements made there. But what, verse 8, but what does it say? It's talking of this work of righteousness. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's talking about salvation. Salvation is not searched for by climbing a mountain, by going under the ground, by digging for gold or flying over. Salvation is everywhere near you. It's not until you go to a particular church that you will receive salvation. There are preachers all around the world, on every street corner. The word is near you, is even in your mouth and in your heart. 
that is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be, you will be saved. You believe. And what is your confession now? You speak it out. How many of us believe enough to make that confession? Let's continue to read. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is all that is required. Call upon his name. Because you believe. I've used the illustration before. If somebody puts a bottle of water here, and he says, that's water. He says, has it been opened? You say, no. You know, you are going to want to be sure that it has not been opened yet. Why? You don't believe it. Because if you believed it, boom, you will open it. And even after you have opened it, if you, if you, if you really, if you don't believe it, how would you drink the water? That's what you would do. But if you believed it, boom, 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 you wouldn't even bother. That's what he's saying. If you truly believe, there's a way you will act. I've mentioned uh, Daniel earlier, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Daniel. Let's go there. Daniel chapter 4. And you will see how Nebuchadnezzar, I want to believe, rescued himself from the stranglehold of Satan. He confessed what he believed. In Daniel chapter 4 verse 17, this decree is by the this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Verse 25. This is Daniel now giving interpretation of the dream. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over you. Till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And gives it to whomever he chooses. I've, just, I've told you this before. The seven years was the minimum sentence. But until he comes to that knowledge, after seven years, he should come to it. But if he wastes time, then he will continue. Now in verse 34 and 35. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his domination, his dominion rather, is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? Praise the name of the Lord. By the time understanding was returning to Nebuchadnezzar, he came to the realization that he needed to make that confession, that I admit that indeed God rules in the affairs of men and gives the kingdom to whosoever he chooses. The simple truth about the gospel of God and of man is that a heart that is lifted up in itself can never receive the gospel. Only the lowly can receive the gospel. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. James chapter 4, 7 to 10. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. For as long as you are not resisting the devil, he will continue to be there. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Have you seen what he's asking them to do? Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. And your joy to gloom. 
That's repentance. Repent. Nobody repents and is smiling. A repentant person mourns. A repentant person weeps. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Humility. You want victory over the kingdom of Satan? Humility. That's how God will see you through. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 10. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Have you seen the, the, the measure, the way God separates in his kingdom? Those who are humble, those who are submissive, they are of his kingdom. The people who are proud and arrogant, they are not of his kingdom. Those who are humble and are submissive, what does he do? He gives them more grace. We've learned before that to, to multiply peace and grace upon your life, increasing your knowledge of Christ. But now we, we see another, another way, well, a, not another way, but part of the means of increasing in grace. Be humble, and more grace will be poured upon you. Verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Stop trying to work out things on your own. Be, the, one of the reasons why we work out things on our own is actually pride. I don't want anybody to help me. God can use the lowliest of men to help you. Many of us, that's why we, you all of us, we're rushing for some rich man to help us. There are poor people that God can use to help you. Smith Wigglesworth told the story once of how some, somebody approached him and led him to go and buy a house. He bought this property only to enter the property and discover that the property was actually rotten. So he had to spend money trying to rebuild that house, renovating and doing other things. At a point in his building, he got to a level where there was no more money. He couldn't continue. And then he began to wonder what's going on, what's going on. And it occurred to him that he didn't even ask God before he bought the house, let alone start the renovation. So he went and laid down flat before God and said, Lord, I repent. Have mercy on me, please. I am stuck. What do I do? Because he was thinking of selling the house. But what was going to finish the house, I, I, can't, I can't remember the figure, but let me say it in Naira. It's like saying what will finish the house is 100,532 Naira, 50 Kobo. Do you see the 100,532 Naira, 50 Kobo? That's what he needs to finish the house. So God said to him, I want you to go and see Brasan so he will tell you what to do. When he went to see the brother, they said that brother is a church, is, is, is the, was the poor, everybody knew him to be poor, but they knew him to be very holy. So he said, well, I'm sure God is leading me to this man because the man is a holy man and God has put a word in his mouth. So he sat before the man and told the man his problem and how God told him to come and see him. So he went to see the man. And so, so he told the man and everything. When he finished telling the man, the man said, I'm coming. The man went into his bedroom and brought out exactly 100,532 naira, 50 cup. He brought the exact amount and gave to him. And as he gave him, he said a prayer. He said, I pray that this money will give you as much joy as he gave me as much sorrow keeping it. He invested in stocks. The stocks matured. It is his money. But God told him, and I want you to keep this money. This money is to be used by somebody. And he kept the money. So when people will come and visit him, He'll be wondering, is this the man? Is this the... So you can imagine the sorrow he had keeping that money. But when Smith Wigglesworth came and mentioned the exact amount that he needed, which was in his hand. Now let me ask you a question. When Smith Wigglesworth bought the money, he bought the house and began the renovation, did God not know that that is the amount he needed and he had kept it in somebody's hand? Be humble and stay under God. 
and you will see how God will bring the victory. The problem with us is we are, we are lifted high. We have elevated the flesh above the word of God. I, I, can, I can do it now. I can do this business. I can do that business. Sometimes God will say to you, keep quiet and sit down quietly. He said, no, I must. You see, if you, God, you don't understand. The world we live in, if you don't go out every day to sweat and to work, people will say you are lazy. God says, okay, go out. Then you go out from morning till night and come back. He will ask you at the, in the evening when you are trying to say your prayers. Say, no, 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 don't say the prayer. Let's discuss. How was your out? Did you get anything? Share it with me now. Let's, let's discuss. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Stop trying to carry burdens. Put it before God. Be sober. Note verse 8 now. Because he, he, is, he is going to where Satan is by bringing us this doctrine of humility. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, does what? Walks about. You remember in the book of Job, what was Satan doing? Going to and fro. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Watch and Pray. Let's coin verse 8 in the reverse. If a man is not sober, if a man is not vigilant, what do you think will happen? Satan will consume you. Do you see why the Bible talks about sobriety even in our dressing? Sobriety in all that we do? Verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. How do you resist Satan? By upholding the word of God. Each time you uphold the word of God, what are you doing? You are pushing back Satan. But what do we do? Instead of resisting Satan, what are we doing? We are admitting him. Remember a kingdom. The words we use for kingdom. Rule, reign, and realm. Every time you lower the standard of the word of God, you have brought yourself under the realm and reign of Satan. You are going by the rule of Satan. There are nations. Do you know that there are nations in this world? The day those nations are open to the gospel, you will see revival. That's why we should be praying for nations like Saudi Arabia. All those nations like Iran. All those nations that have shut the door against the gospel. Be praying that Lord, just open the door. Just open the door. You'll be shocked. They will be better Christians than us. Far better Christians than us. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What suffering is he talking about here? There's persecution, yes. But there's, there's more to the suffering here. Each time you resist Satan, there's suffering because he is prompting and saying, I, I would have given you this thing, but you say you want to follow the word. Do you understand? Many times when you are following the word of God, that project you are trying to do, it will, it will just stay. When you are following the word of God, your car will pack up, you have to pack it. He says, don't worry. There are people going through that same suffering. In this world, go through it. Don't try to be like other people. Don't try to copy other people. Stand firm. Look at verse 10. I just love verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered, what? A while. What will he do? Perfect. Establish. Strengthen. And settle you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Again, remove that suffering a while. Let's assume the man has not suffered a while. Has not even suffered at all. Has refused to suffer. Will any of these things happen? Will God perfect him? Will God establish him? Will God strengthen him? Will God settle him? Brethren, the problem of the Lord Jesus' disciples was not just the, what do you call it, the dominion of Rome over Israel. It was about the dominion of sin upon the flesh. 
Because as long as sin is in dominion over a man, that man is brought under subjection to Satan. And so when the Lord Jesus told them, forget about that issue of when the kingdom is going to be returned. Leave what is in the hands of God in the hands of God. But you shall be empowered to go forth and preach the gospel to every nation. In other words, through the preaching of the gospel, what happens to those who are under oppression? They are brought out. Do you understand? The disciples were speaking of physical oppression. The Lord was addressing spiritual oppression. The disciples were drawing their history from Abraham. The Lord Jesus was drawing a spiritual history from who? Adam. That is where the origin is. We are told to go out and preach the gospel that will bring men out of oppression. But many of us are preaching the gospel, which is no gospel at all, and pushing men further down into oppression. And by so doing, becoming agents of Satan. Does it not astound you that somebody will tell you that God called him and yet he's looking for power and where is he looking for power? In a native doctor's house. He has succumbed to the wiles of Satan. The same trick that Satan used against Jesus at the temptation and Jesus succeeded. Many have been overcome. And I ask you, what is overcoming you? Is it food? Is it clothing? Is it house rent? Is it wanting to look like A or B? Is it because your car has parked up and you want to drive the kind of car that A or B is driving? The real oppressor of mankind, who is also referred to as the ruler of this world, the old, that old serpent, and also called the devil, is Satan. He is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness and exercises total dominion over his subjects. When Adam sinned, he inadvertently brought all of mankind under Satan's rule. And as such, they are governed by his rules for living, which have come to mankind through philosophies and religions over the centuries. Satan's kingdom is set up through a well-organized structure of administrators and governors, what we call principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These administrators and governors reign over realms that vary in size depending on the level of the administrator and the hierarchy from individuals to whole nations and even generations. They also include those that govern various religions, cults, cultures, etc. These are also, sorry, there are also sin which governs mankind through deceit and temptation and the human agents of Satan who include false ministers of the gospel. Satan's goal through his kingdom machinery is to keep men in subjection to him and his administration unto eternity. In achieving his goal, his greatest weapon is deceit, trickery, wiles, and fear, all of which seek to draw the individual's attention and focus away from God and his word onto anything else, provided it is not the word of God or what God is about or doing. He also needs the help of the person being deceived. And this is where the flesh, the nature of man that loves to sin, comes in. The flesh has desires and passion or affections which it seeks to satisfy. And this it does by acquiescing to the lure of sin, which damages the inner man of the individual concerned, making him a candidate for eternity in hell. We must understand this. When you hear doctrines that do not agree with the word, but they sound appealing to you, your flesh is alive. Your flesh is showing you what you, what you should like in those things. As Eve was deceived, the tree was good. The tree was, was, was good for food. Was, God had said those things about that tree and all the trees indeed. But she now added, able to make one wise. 
what was in her what was in her heart wisdom she wanted to have wisdom just like many people are looking for power in their search for power they end up in the occult in their search for power they run to native doctors in their search for power they do all kinds of crazy things and ultimately find themselves as candidates for hell some even say in the, some are even deceived to the point that they say don't worry we will quickly do it when they when they are coming to take their blood we will quickly run back to god he's a merciful god by the time they want to run back to god they will not even know what direction to go you remember Saul of king Saul when death came where did he run to a witch when they were pushing to kill him what did he do he killed himself how do you do that many people because because we love somebody who committed suicide we deceive ourselves I say, I know, I know he's in a better place. I know he's with God. Somebody who committed suicide has gone to hell. Thou shalt not kill includes killing yourself. Why do we deceive ourselves? We see our erring child. We say, don't worry. You know, he, 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 was, he was very strong in the gospel when he was young. Satan has dragged him to his kingdom. And he said, you are, you are deceiving yourself and saying, don't worry. Instead of you to fall down flat before God and cry for that child. To get out of Satan's grip, a person must necessarily turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ. Who is the ruler of the kingdom of God. This turning to God is achieved through a definite desire in the heart of man to surrender and submit to God through faith in Jesus' finished work at Calvary. And a verbalized or public profession or confession of such a submission to Christ as Lord. Meaning that he is desirous of leaving the kingdom of Satan for the kingdom of the Son of God. I need to explain this to us. The Lord Jesus can never force you to come to, into his kingdom. Note that. That's number one. Number two, you voluntarily come, in, come into that kingdom. Now, when you have entered that kingdom, which is why he says, confess it with your mouth. When he says, confess Jesus as Lord, what are you saying there? You're saying that Jesus is my master. Jesus is my king. You are not a Christian until you have confessed Christ as Lord. In confessing Christ as Lord, you are saying that everything Christ says, I agree with. You can therefore not say Christ is Lord and be walking against him. He's not your Lord. Remember at, at, at the meeting yesterday, we mentioned that no man by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed. And no man without the help of the Spirit can say Jesus is Lord. This notwithstanding, Satan does not give up on those who have left his kingdom and seeks to bring them back under his rule. But if we resist Satan, and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we shall be safe and secure under Christ. That is why, brethren, we must never take it for granted and allow anything, not poverty, not wealth, not demons, not angels, not uh, prosperity, not poverty, to take us away from the love of God. We must not allow it. We must not tolerate it. We must recognize that there is a kingdom that is ruling over mankind today. It's the kingdom of Satan. When you give your life to Christ, or put, let me put it differently, when you give your life to Christ, you come away from that kingdom of Satan, which is an oppressive kingdom, to the kingdom of Christ, which is the kingdom of liberty and of freedom. But it is never a kingdom of license. It's not a kingdom that permits you to do whatever you like. There are rules that govern you under that kingdom. In professing that Jesus is Lord, you are saying, everything that Christ says, I will do. And guess what? He has given you grace to be able to do it. Let's talk to the Lord this day. Let's pray. I'd like you to 
Open your heart up to God and tell him what has been making you to draw back onto perdition. The Bible says, if any man draws back, my soul will not be with that fellow. What is it that is making you to even reconsider going back to the oppression and oppressiveness of Satan? When there is a glorious liberty and freedom in Christ. What is it? What are these affections? And why is it difficult for you to allow the flesh to be killed by the Spirit of God? Don't you know that this flesh is going to drag you to hell? You don't know that? That the flesh is an agent of Satan? Talk to the Lord. I want us to pray especially that God will, will clothe each one of us. Pray for yourself that God will clothe you with a spirit of humility. Because we know that he resists the proud. We know that those who are proud are working in the camp of Satan. Ask the Almighty God to help you. To recognize those who are trying to bring you through trickery and deception and deceit. Back under the rule of Satan. Many of us left things and ran to God. That many of us are becoming disaffectioned by so many things. We see other people gaining things. We see them becoming things. We see people who don't even know God. People who are not even serving God as you may be serving God. Achieving certain things. And we are saying to ourselves, how come he's getting so... He doesn't even go to church. He doesn't even worship God. I've seen him. He doesn't even read the Bible. And I'm reading the Bible. And before long, Satan is luring you. I say, come, I will make you what he is. And the one who made him, I can make you like that. And so many of us have been drawn there. And we can't understand that there is a battle between God and Satan. Satan only needs to take one person away from the kingdom of God. That's all he, that, for him, that's a success. And those of us who, who know are not even going out to win souls. We are not even going out to tell anybody about the good news of the kingdom. So we keep Satan's kingdom populated. I'd like you to pray and ask the Almighty God to help you to recognize satanic forces when they are there. We are not to dwell on them. God has given us weapons to fight them. We shall talk on that by the grace of God at some point in time. But make yourself available to God. Open up your spirit to receive the word of God. Tremble at the word of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Confess that Jesus is your Lord and act accordingly. Whatever he tells you as documented in the Bible, do it. And like I said, the grace has been given to you to do it. Almighty and everlasting God, we just want to bless your name. We thank you for how far you have helped us. You have helped us, Lord, even in our fasting. As we bring it to, a, to an end today, thank you so much. You have helped us, Lord, even in preparing this message and in delivery. But Lord, more importantly, we pray that you will help for this message to be imbibed into the hearts of the hearers. So that it can bring forth fruit, much fruit. The fruit of righteousness and of holiness, of holy living, of humility. Of service to God. That your name be glorified. Thank you everlasting Father. In Jesus name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.